Hello, hello, here is part two with Veronica Funk and Dina. If you happen to miss out on part one, I'd recommend that you go back and listen to that one first. I mean, if you're a rebel, you can do it however you want, but that's how I'd recommend it. All right, enjoy. Hello and welcome to Fragmenters, the most entertaining podcast that I've found where you get to have a conversation with business women who are enthusiastic about life, work, and money. We love building up other women and getting them ready for their new careers. Cause, 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 no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. So do you feel it's imperative for women to be in the arts, to be professional artists? Yeah, um, traditionally, it's always men who teach the arts, Mm -hmm. you know, universities and that. It's men who are in the public galleries, you know, and now we're learning about more and more female artists that were successful at their time, you know, back in the 1800s. And we've never heard of these women. Yeah, we're mentioned in in art books, art history books, you know, and nobody knows. And then they're shocked. Well, what do you mean this woman did this back then? It's like, of course she did. Well, and I had an exhibit recently at the Leighton Arts Center, which is this beautiful historical building with uh, overlooks the Rocky Mountains in the distance. It's uh, in a valley and everything. And the owner, it's a gallery and they teach workshops there. Mm-hmm. And, and a bit of a museum as well. Well, well, Barbara Layton owned that property and she donated it as an arts and cultural center. She, it's interesting because I'm 55. When she was my age, she was also taking art history classes through the same university. I'm taking them right now. And I thought, you know what? If not for so many of these women, these women artists, we, uh, we wouldn't have access to, you know, all these kids art programming, adult yeah. arts programming, galleries even it was women who donated the spaces or the funds or both and I read this over and over and over again so it's just we need to honor these women way more well even sometimes when I'm at these different places it's like the White Museum in Banff um, always talks about Peter white but his wife was the one like they were both artists she was the one who donated all the money for arts and culture in Banff because it was her family money you know Mm -hmm. so why is he the one that's always elevated when she's the one that did that work (laughs) right and I'm learning more and more about that same as at the Leighton Center it was her husband who was highly regarded as an artist but yet it's her that's done the work and that we're and we're reaping the rewards of it today. Mm-hmm. But I remember too, many years ago, I went to the Vancouver Art Gallery and there was an exhibit, uh, Frida Kahlo, uh, Georgia O'Keeffe and Emily Carr. And I thought these are three women that like, so one from Mexico, one from the US and one from Canada. Mm-hmm. But these are only three of the women we really know about in our world today. And, but, I love these women still because they were all like tough and grouchy and (laughs) they didn't give up and they have been such an inspiration to me. And I think that's with any of the women who have succeeded were the ones who spoke up Mm -hmm. and was big in their time and it's still big now. And you're bitches. 
Just yeah. saying. <laughs> but you can be kind still and still speak up. You know, people think that you have to be fighting and mad, but you don't. You just have to just stick to your guns and do your thing, right? So, yep. Well, and approach it. We're women. Our strength is femininity. Yeah. So coming at you in a masculine regard is not going to be our biggest strength. I mean, some of us are more masculine and how we do yes. everything, but yeah. for the most part, you have to have that feminine touch mm -hmm. and it's not placating or being soft so that it's easier for them. That's our mm -hmm. strength. That's our superpower. And to try to just mask that femininity and be more masculine to get into those roles, I think is a disservice. So it's interesting that you say that because when I started, I'd write my artist statement, you know, for each body of work, but I, I would write it first of all, in layman's terms, because I don't like artist statements that are just so you know, words that you won't recognize and you don't know unless you do this specific thing, because I want my work accessible. I want to share my work with everyone. And so I talked more about my feelings and why I do what I do. I still talked about my tools and, you know, colors and the things that are important in my work, but it's my feelings that are, and I remember in the beginning, I was told to rewrite my statements to make them more you know scientific and logical and you know all of that but I didn't I refused instead I kept looking until I found the right galleries that would represent my work based on what I was writing and what's interesting 25 years later there are people that bought my work back then that still buy my work today you know even though it's changing over time and mm -hmm. so they've supported me because they connect with that as well. Right. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. See, you were one of those that were like, I don't care what you say. My <laughs> art is <laughs> my art is my feelings. Yeah, it is. I mean, we it do is. use the paint and etc. But mainly, yeah, you can tell if someone if someone let's say painted, painted something because they were paid to yes. versus because they were paid to and we're passionate about it. You can feel well, it. It's interesting you say that because I know I have tried doing commissions. You know, some people are very successful at just doing commission work or, you know, I try to multiple different ways to be successful in this career because there was no roadmap really. Mm -hmm. And, you know, tried the market thing, tried all these different things, but it took a lot of trial and error to figure out what I wanted but I have recognized too you know like some people some artists sell a lot of prints I tried it I just don't like having that inventory because then I feel like a retail store right. you know so it's and and not that there's anything wrong with that but I think everybody's path is going to be a little bit different and even my husband said you know he he's a huge hockey fan and he runs marathons plays hockey and stuff too but he talks about about the thing that he's recognized because we've been married 34 years living with an artist is like any other career the longer you do it the more success you receive you don't start in a company as the ceo like you right. just don't unless you start your own company and just call yourself that. <laughs> <laughs> but still I'm the there's ceo a lot of, of this podcast no. <laughs> <laughs> 
but you know, like you have to start and you work your way through. And I think in the arts, particularly, you have to give it time and people, well, this was really good advice. Um, an artist gave me many years ago too. She said, it'll be interesting when you're new and you've got some stuff, you know, a nice body of work together, people get interested in you and they'll be excited. And then they'll lose interest in you. This was even before internet. So we know this is always the case. They'll lose mm -hmm. interest in you and look for the next new thing. But she said, it's that point you have to decide. And she said, that's an up and down thing always. And that's when you decide, why am I doing this? Am I doing this just for attention? Am I doing this just for the money? Am I doing this? Because, you know, if just for the money, you could probably make a lot more money doing something else, right? Mm -hmm for the attention you could probably get more attention to doing something else so or is this process really important to me is this what I want to do and she that really helped me make it through those tough times when because there are always the tough times right things go right. well and then they either plateau or go down right so it just kept me going and I find all the quiet times when I really focus on my work and don't worry too much about anything else and then but then you always have to budget and plan for that as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and I feel like if you don't have the plateaus and the lulls, you don't really appreciate when the big success comes. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah, totally. And you have to work to appreciate it too. So you're just doing all the things. Well, you uh, spoiled my next question, which was what's the best advice you've ever received? So. <laughs> Let's Sorry. get right. No, no, no. It's good. Um, what advice would you give to other people who are looking to pursue an artistic or just the arts in general career? I think I, there are a couple of things. Like, I think you have to figure out what, like, the what and the why. Like, what is it that you do and what you do you want to do? And why? Because I think the why is the only thing that'll keep you. Well, both of those things are the only things that'll keep you going when it's hard, you know. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's really important to have multiple income streams. I think that is, and just figuring out how that works for you. Like I have a friend who does commissions and then she does markets because she gets a lot of commissions out of markets and she doesn't really do gallery exhibits. And, she, and another friend who does most of her stuff online through social media sells everything, but she has to be on social media regular, right? Right. And take good pictures and invest in herself that way. And other friends, you know, just prints. They they create, you know, only so many paintings a year, and then they live off the prints and other things that get um, created with their imagery. And so. I think you really need to decide what you're going to do, why you're going to do, and then I guess how you're going to do it. But I do think multiple art streams are really important because that when something isn't doing as well, something else will be doing better. Or, you know, like at the beginning of pandemic, I lost all of my teaching opportunities because I also do uh, artists and residencies in schools and stuff on occasion, mm -hmm. usually a year. And I lost all of that. And Thankfully, the Mastrius came, you know, contacted me and said they were starting this, you know, online mentoring program. And it's just perfect because I love the idea of mentorship because I don't want to tell somebody how to do what they do. Mm -hmm. I want to help them find a place for what they 
guide them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And let them know there are lots of different ways to do it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I read that on your website, I honestly, I feel like, I feel like I'm pretty intelligent, but the more I get to know people, the, <laughs> the dumber I feel. Cause I didn't even think of how hard it must've been for most artists, like not just the galleries closing and, you know, doing the, the sip and paints, you know, we have those locally, those were all closed down, but the musicians too, and there were no plays and there were, I just, so when I was reading that, I was like, holy shit, this like bushwhacked so many more people than I even put together. And, uh, for you to, to cover that, I was, I was really excited to see all your pieces from it. So, well, and you know, it's interesting because even, yeah, my galleries shut and, and mm-hmm. I thought that was a strange thing to close during pandemic because it's not like galleries have 17,000 people in them, like a hockey game does. Right. Right. So, um, and yet people were dying for, you know, arts and culture too, and entertainment during that time, you know, still are, which is, I'm glad to see it. You know, I'm glad to see our governments are recognizing how important, you know, libraries closed, well, people wanted to read, Mm -hmm. (laughs) or or take out movies or something, right? So. Well, I, I think that definitely broadened probably the, uh, how short everything is mm-hmm. for, because not a lot of people, it's very morbid to think of death, it yeah. is, but it's, it's inevitable. Yes. Death and yeah. taxes. That's yes. it. <laughs> so I think the pandemic really opened the eyes of everyone about how little time we have. And I've seen everyone around me and people that, you know, I I'm just meeting they're focusing more on what they enjoy and Mm -hmm. less on the work. A lot more people are living to work instead of working to live. Yes. Yeah. And the, the pandemic, I think probably because everything was taken. Yeah. We lost everything. I mean, Mm -hmm. alcohol consumption definitely went up during that just because we don't have a lot of healthy coping mechanisms, but, um, yeah, the thirst for art and for entertainment and healthy stuff. I definitely yeah. have experienced an uptick personally mm-hmm. and have seen for others. So, And it is interesting to see how many people are rethinking how they're going to live their lives from now mm-hmm. on in, right? And thinking, why am I at this job? Yeah, it pays well, but I'm miserable or, you know, or not appreciated or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's, I think every time I'm forced to slow down it, you know, whether it's a body issue or whatever, like my shoulders and stuff, mm-hmm. it makes me rethink how I'm doing things or why I'm doing things or what I'm even doing. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's been interesting during the pandemic. I was so grateful that I could just go to my studio and paint mm-hmm. because I was anxious, just like everybody else and yeah. worried, and, you know, but, and not that we're out of it, but you know, it feels, life feels a little better now. Right. Well, and you get used to things 
And I think Mm -hmm. that's kind of how it shook everyone up. Like Mm -hmm. the world had just been going and going. And so you just, you know, the pattern you get up, you go to work, you go home, you watch TV, you go to bed and then, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm not getting up and going to work anymore. I'm getting up and going downstairs or, you know what I mean? It just was like, well, if this is totally done and rethought, what else needs rethought? Mm-hmm. So, so um, can I ask you a question? Yeah. yeah. So why did you, like, or when did you decide to start doing this, like talking to women about? So I have been in IT for 17 years now. Uh And that is definitely a male dominated field. And when I first started, I had one woman that I worked with in our global company. She left. I was the only one for a while. Then there was another one up in corporate that I never got to work with. And it, it gets lonely. Mm -hmm. And like, I would go to get certifications and I was lucky if there was another woman in the room, it just, but I knew there had, I'm, I'm unique, but not that unique. I knew there had to be others out there. So when I moved to the position I'm in now, they're very good. I, I will say, I love the company I work for right now. They're very good about pushing diversity. (laughs) So our org is almost split 50, 50 men and women, the organization. It's amazing. And I've gotten to know all these women and they experience the same thing. And it's different for them to be surrounded by women. And I got into podcasting and started looking for women in podcasting, Uh, not women who podcasted, but just talking about women who work and stuff. And either they're really boring. I'll admit they had a lot of good information, but I just lost interest really Mm -hmm. quickly or the majority of it. If they were more like this conversation style, um, Mm -hmm. they usually talked about the men and it kind of gave me a pet peeve. Mm -hmm. That's my pet peeve. Cause if, if I'm listening for women and talking about building up women and empowering women, I don't want to spend an hour listening about how the men treat you poorly. Yeah. That's, that just gave them another hour of my life and I'm focusing on women. So I looked for years for a podcast, just Mm -hmm. like this one, couldn't find it. So then I started reaching out to women that I knew that did podcasts and was like, this is a good idea. I would love to listen to this. And they were all too busy or it just wasn't, you know, wasn't their niche. And so I was like, you know what? I have to hear this. It's, it was years that I was like, I really have to hear this. So Mm -hmm. now I am the one I've, I'm very grateful because I get to meet so many awesome women and, Mm -hmm. and the voices are getting out there. So Well, and you know, it's interesting that you say that too, because they know studies have been done companies where it's more equal male, female, Mm -hmm. those are the more successful companies Mm -hmm. and boards that are more equal, even it's just, so we're not saying that one is better than the other. I think we need both. Right. And that has been the issue for so long. We don't have both. 
Right. Well, and not just that, but I am a white woman Mm -hmm. and that's what I know. That is my, you know, Mm -hmm. specialty. Diversity is a lot more than man and woman. Yes. Yeah. So I can see how having 50, 50 split for men and women would be really beneficial to a company, but then you add in different ethnicities and, you know, and that's my company's very big on that. And make sure there's, you know, members of the LGBTQ community represented because we need everybody's a handicap or I shouldn't say handicap, but any kind of special needs. Disabilities. Disabilities, yeah. Yep. Needs to be represented, right? Because we keep talking about the voice of the majority, but who is the majority? It's all of us together. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh, you said that. It gave me chills. (laughs) But no, seriously, the voice of the majority is everyone because like I said, I know I'm unique, but not really. There are billions of people out there. There has to be people like me who grew up not the same. No one's the same, but similarly, who have the similar viewpoints, who have similar experiences, you know, but that's Mm -hmm. just the little bit. Mm -hmm. And you had a different upbringing and my husband had a different, and my children, even mm-hmm. growing up in the same house. I really have see that with my kids because they're so far apart in age. Yeah. Right. And they're both different. You know, one's ADHD, OCD, the other one's autistic, you know, so mm-hmm. different personal viewpoint, right? And yeah. And this, my, the city I'm in, boomed over the last like 10 years you know we went from 16,000 people to like 80,000 people so my second daughter grew up in a totally different environment than my first one because when she graduated she moved south for university and she bought a house there a couple years ago you know and her and her partner lived there and you know so she has a different experience even when she comes back to visit she's like wow this isn't the same place Mm -hmm. no no it's a lot more multicultural than it was when she was growing up here so right right and that yeah it's just super important to when you're looking around one I believe that if I'm looking around and I'm the smartest person in the room there's a problem (laughs) not saying that I'm dumb but you (laughs) should always aspire to improve yourself yeah But second, if I see, if I'm in a room with 10 people and 10 of them look like me, that's not good for me either. I need to work with men because they see differently than I do. I need to work with different races and LGBTQ and, you know, I, people with disabilities, because I don't know what I don't know. No. And that's the only way we're going to learn is to keep that communication open. And, you know, they've done studies through the years, too, that um, the only way to combat things like racism and and misogyny and that is putting a variety of diverse group of people together in work environments, in shopping environments, in uh, neighborhoods. That is the only way to combat that. Yep. So, yeah, it's definitely I do see an improvement and I'm sure you see more of one because we're a couple years different so (laughs) it's it's definitely not where it needs to be but I am glad to see the growth and the more we do this and the more we outreach it Mm -hmm. will definitely help it 
move forward further. Plus, the next generation, as problematic as a lot of people see them, I see so much strength. Yeah, they're fighting empowerment. You know, I I always hated that line. Well, it's always been done this way. Well, why? Well, this new generation is going, well, that's stupid. We're not doing it. You know, yes. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's always been this done this way. And then the millennials started asking why. And then they mm-hmm. raised kids to be like, that's stupid. Yeah. All of this is stupid. Yeah. Just <laughs> splash it and start over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's interesting too, when you see like extremely wealthy, particularly white males in, you know, North America. Mm-hmm. They always call themselves self-made. They are not. They have their mom and dad's money. They've mm-hmm. got all their buddies. They, you know, like we don't do it on our own. None of us do it on our own. Yeah. Right. No one, even those of us that started with nothing, mm-hmm. I would not be where I am today without the mentorship I had growing up or, you know, the other kids' parents that helped me yeah. out and guided me. And yeah, we, nobody got anywhere by themselves. It's it's all a group effort. Even encouraging words, right? From a teacher or Mm -hmm. somebody, right? Makes all the difference. Yeah. Or uh, someone I just talked to, they saw like a piece of art, the phrase on it, I can't uh, fail quickly. That's Uh, what it was. And she's like, it just stuck with me forever. And then it finally hit. And that was the best when I ask what is the best advice you got, that's what it was. It wasn't even from a person. It was a piece of art that she just saw, which is cool because you're an artist, which is not why I brought it up, but (laughs) yeah, it's so empowering. Actually, my daughter, my eldest, she's a grade three teacher. And she always tells the kids, you know, making mistakes, isn't a problem. That's not the problem. That's actually a good thing because Mm -hmm. Well, even, you know, multimillionaires, how many of them went bankrupt several times before they hit on something, right? Or, you know, how many authors got rejected like a hundred times before their work was published or anything and they became hits or whatever. So uh, she always tells them failure isn't the problem. It's the not trying. That's the problem. Yes. You're not learning from your mistakes. <laughs> that's yeah. the other thing, right? Yep. Failures are just learning opportunities. Yes, they are. So I can probably guess your answer, but work can't be the answer as much as you love it. (laughs) So I was wondering, what do you do for fun? I love to read. I read voraciously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nonfiction, fiction, all of the above everything and learning. I love taking courses. Like I, I've taken astronomy and psychology and, you know, just a variety of indigenous storytelling. And I just love learning so much that I probably, that's probably why I like reading even fiction. You learn something from it. Yes, for sure. What book recommendations do you have for me then? Like what's your favorite or what's a must read for everyone? Um, uh, well, recently I read where the crawdads sing, which was a fun one. Oh my gosh. And they're coming out with a movie. I just saw that. Yes, they are. But yeah, that is a fantastic read. Oh yeah. I just zipped through it. I was done in like two days. It's like, Mm -hmm. I took a weekend off and did nothing but read. 
but yeah, I just, I just like everything. So I often have like five books going all at the same time. I'm a huge fan of Canadian authors. So Thomas King, he's an Indigenous writer. He's from the U.S., but he's been in Canada forever. And he's a, was a professor out in Ontario. Mm-hmm. But he, um, he's really great at making you rethink as, you know, a white person, what you say and how you say it. He's great at pointing these things out in a humorous way. So it doesn't make people feel guilty or bad, but mm-hmm. make you realize, okay, that was pretty ridiculous, you know? So yeah, he writes both fiction and nonfiction. He's one of my absolute favorites, but there are just so many authors that I just love. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big question usually is. I have like three bookcases in my house, like, built-in book a whole bookshelf in our basement and a huge bookcase in our living room (laughs) we've got lots of books I also like the classics like love Wuthering Heights love Jane Austen you know Mm -hmm. all of it yep and some of the best book one of the best books I read as from a creative standpoint from an artist standpoint is Taking the Leap and it's a New York I think she's a photographer but mm-hmm. she taught me really how to write a statement, how to write a biography, because those things I didn't learn in art school, how to prepare a portfolio and all of that kind of stuff, how to write an introduction letter. You, know? you didn't learn that in art school? Oh, my gosh. We didn't learn the business. I think it's changed now, but back then you just learned art, you know? Yeah. About composition and you know all contrast and perspective but you didn't learn about you know how to have a business they figured you'd either get a job you know as a graphic designer working for someone else or Mm -hmm. whatever you did you'd be working for someone else working in a coffee shop so you could paint at a real job yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, so that was a really good one for me. Just and then another one that's a great just for helping me to write was writing down the bones. And I can't remember the author's name, but I refer back to that once in a while. And she talks about just writing in your own voice, just write and don't judge yourself, just write because usually what you write just off the top of your head is probably going to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. They won't need a lot of adjustments. So that's really good. I think in any career is trusting your voice, right? Yeah. I was actually going to ask you because you said that you do some writing and you have beautiful artwork. I can see it all behind you. Have you thought about writing your own book? Like showing your art or telling a story through there? I, I publish little blurb books for each series, but mm-hmm. never really a story story. But actually, yeah, I, I <laughs> that someday, actually, but I'm just never sure what exactly I want to write about. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should write about what I've been sharing with other artists, too, you know? Yeah, I mean, just just your story. I love that nowadays people have at their disposal. So um, I've heard a lot of just sitting down with grandparents and getting Mm -hmm. their stories and publishing it just for the family, but still just getting Mm -hmm. that out there. And plus, if you wrote a book, 
people don't forget about you like we did in the 1800 female artists. They can't <laughs> deny you. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's a good idea. I should actually sit down and start actually thinking about it. But it has it has crossed my mind in the past, but not so much about my story. And, and I think that just got me excited to think about actually. I like doing that. I like mm -hmm. giving people stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so that is really all the questions I have for you. Oh, Do you have anything nice. for me? No, I think we covered pretty much everything. I love hearing your perspective and, and the things that you've learned recently too. And yeah, yeah, that's fabulous. I love that. Well, I can't tell you how grateful I am for you accepting my random DM <laughs> and coming on here. I love that we're getting this information out to people. So I appreciate you and I will be stocking your new, uh, your new paintings when you share them. <laughs> so nice to meet you this morning. This it definitely a... was. Thank yeah. you, Veronica. You have a good day. Yeah, you too. Bye. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for listening today. I hope you had as much fun as I did. If you liked this, please rate, review, and subscribe to ensure that you can more easily find me in the future. To continue this and more conversations, you can always find me at d at fragmenters.com. That's D-E-A at fragmenters.com on Instagram and Facebook at Fragmenters. And I also have a Facebook group uh, called Fragmenters where all the ladies with like-minded business sense hang out and enjoy. Thank you again. Bye. We got the right stuff. We put the hammer right there.